Search Head Noise Podcast to find out more. Your local Repco Authorised Service Centre is fully qualified to provide logbook servicing on all popular European cars. You can relax knowing that taking good care of your pride and joy is our pride and joy. Book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The 1170 SEN text line 0457 736 736. Text any time and have your say. I found my way back to a higher ground. Yeah, I just want to feel alive. Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Yeah, hello everyone. Welcome along to this special edition of Higher Ground. It is Thursday, 15th of September 2022. Nice to be with you on SEN 1170 in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, SEN 1620 on the Gold Coast, as well as via the SEN app. Jules here for a Thursday night edition of the program. Being, of course, there's no Thursday night footy, and we've got this big clash tomorrow night at Combank Stadium as we turn our attention to week two of the National Rugby League Finals. The open line number, should you like to join me, one three hundred zero one eleven seventy, and the text line 0457 736 736. Joining me tonight, uh, Tim Manor will be up shortly to look at the Eels' chances tomorrow night against Canberra. And Hey, look, if they lose Parramatta, if they go down, which means they're out of the finals and straight sets having finished top four, how do you judge their season? Is it a pass or fail? Because it's all relative. And I'm not sure they're a better side on paper next year. In fact, they won't be a better side on paper next year. Is their premiership window closing the Eels? So we'll discuss that with Timmy Manor. And Steve Maven, good man, former Rabbitohs and host of Rabbits Radio, is going to join us in the next hour to talk up the Bunnies' chances against the Sharks on Saturday night. I wonder how they pulled up. Of course, no Tom Burgess. This all-important clash against the second-place Cronulla. Now, we do have the small matter of the Bledisloe Cup going on at the moment. It's just kicked off. Uh, two and a half minutes gone at Marvel Stadium. You can still see the, the smoke haze lingering from all the pyrotechnics at the start. You know, this is the way to bring the fans back to the Rara, to beat the All Blacks. It's really that simple. Raylan Castle, during her time at the helm of Rugby Australia, said, we've just got to win the Bledisloe back. It's easier said than done, of course. But the thing about it is, I mean, given the, given the temperamental form this season of the All Blacks, it's probably not a bad time to get them. I mean, Argentina got them, Ireland got them, South Africa got them. Can the Wallabies get them? Only, only two tests in the Bledisloe this year. It's wonderful as well to see a packed house at Marvel Stadium there in Melbourne. Really clever scheduling. Really clever scheduling. Thursday night, no league, no AFL, and the game gets some clean air in a sports mad city. Now, did you catch Joey Johns' article in the Herald today? And I like Joey. Sometimes I think this guy sees things that others don't see. Sometimes he talks in hyperbole, and I think, what is he on about? But I think he's pretty much right. It seems everyone at the moment's got a solution to fix the bunker, right? So players milk and stay down. They feel they need to do that because there's something the refs miss. Maybe they copped on around the chops or, or a crusher or whatever. And that's it. Because then that buys them time for the bunker to intervene. Anyway, this is what Joey Johns had to say. And he goes on to say, uh, the NRL needs to get serious about the bunker. And if, if they won't listen to people like me, immortal, he did, my words, not his, they should listen to someone like Rick Williams, a former ice hockey referee responsible for introducing the concept to rugby league. Now, apparently Rick Williams said, a word of warning, limit the bunker use strictly for adjudicating on tries. He says, now... You know, every stoppage in play, they come in over the top of the on-field referee. It's gone well beyond what it was designed for. 
And he says, Joey, that referees have lost a feel for the game. They no longer know how to adjudicate on their own. They're constantly second-guessing themselves because the bunker's constantly in his ear. Couldn't imagine when I was playing, having the coach constantly in my ear, look this way, look that way. And he says, look, it's those above them who allowed to happen who thought it was a good idea to have the bunker coming in over the top of the ref. What's that old saying? Too many cooks spoil the broth. You know, they talk about referees and game feel, and Harrigan was a master at it. And I'll give you an example. He once said, Billy Harrigan, he said, look, game feel. There's a million and one things you could penalise if you really wanted to. So say, for example, as a kickoff, and you're looking down the halfway line, the winger's half a foot offside. I could blow the whistle so make you in front of the kicker, but I won't if he doesn't affect the play. Because he's somewhere in the periphery, got nothing to do with the play. That is game feel, that is game flow. Thankfully, the bunker doesn't adjudicate on things like that. But this is what what Joey says. If the referee doesn't see it, if the lines people don't see it, if the penalty isn't that obvious, let it flow. I, I get his point. And he says, what's the solution to referees? I saw somebody online today said, oh, Joey, what about this? He was calling for one referee. You know, you're allowed to change your mind, given the circumstances. 7-0, early try to the All Blacks. They lead 7-0, about six minutes gone in this Low Cup match at Marvel Stadium. So what do you think about that? Two referees. I know it's been run up the flagpole a hell of a lot this week. So you've got the one senior ref with the whistle, controls the 10 metres. Foul play. Then he suggests a ruck referee. No whistle, just manages the ruck and markers being offside and in particular stops the third man coming in to stop lifting tackles. But how do you how do you operate without a whistle? You need to give them a whistle. Because if they need to stop play, then they have to stop play. But what are your thoughts on that, 0457 736 736? There is plenty of logic to it. But it's about putting the power back into the hands of the on-field referee. Ensure that they're not scared to make a call, lest the bunker intervene or overrule. So if you miss it, well, guess what? The match review committee can catch it. It's not as though they're getting away from blue, with blue murder. And still on Joey, this is interesting. Now, maybe Manly fans agree with him. He has made, Andrew Johns, the bold claim that Maroon's halfback, Daly Cherry Evans, should be head of the Kangaroos' number seven jersey over Nathan Cleary. Now, those of you listening to me know that I'm a Queensland supporter in origin, but even I can't support that decision. And I love DCE, a wonderful player, 15 tests for Australia, the incumbent. But Cleary's clearly better since Kangaroo's last game in 2019. He's 24, premiership winning half, steered his side to the grand final win last year. And I know people are pointing to State of Origin and Queensland won the series. I mean, well, Cleary's pretty good in game two. John says on Wide World of Sports, I think Daly Cherry Evans deserves to be the halfback after his Origin Series. What about all the stuff afterwards, though? And both of them are going to be in Mal's squad, no doubt. It has to be Nathan. It has to be Nathan. Yeah, Daly was great in Origin, but Manly lost their last seven games. Nathan Cleary had five weeks off for spear-tackling Dylan Brown, came back last week against the same team, no less, and dominated with a finals intensity. Does anyone think that DCE should retain the number seven jersey for the Kangaroos? 0457 736 736. I'd love to know your reasoning. I'd love to know your reasoning. Now, Kevy Walters, Broncos coach, he's going to hang into his job for 2023. A future beyond that, not as secure. Of course, the season ended with the whimper, the Bronx. Uh, they sat inside the top four in round 19 and people thought, well, it's a fait accompli. They're going to play finals footy and then it 
Gee, the wheels came off in spectacular fashion. It's another shot at penalty goal that has just gone wide to the left of the post. So it remains seven. Nil, eight and a half gone in the first half. The All Blacks over the Wallabies. But So what happened? The, the Broncos, they had an internal review into their season. Carl Morris, the chairman, he said that, yes, Kevy would see it the final year of his contract. Was, was he really hanging that tenuously onto his gig? Because when you boil it down, you know, that stunning six-week spiral, two big losses to the Eels and, and the Storm, of course, they, they put a mozza on them. So lost to the Storm by 60 points, to Parramatta by 53. They had that win over the Knights, not impressive. Went down to the Tigers, Roosters, Dragons. Sealed their fate. They got their four and against chewed up. But, but as for keeping Kevy, well, it's entirely reasonable. Just, just let the dust settle on the season, okay? Their improvement from the last two years was exponential. Exponential. And certainly beyond expectation, despite that late season slide. He deserves another year, and I think they'll be better. Reese Walsh, the big inclusion near list next year. I think he's going to be better. Kevy, with the way he handles things, they'll change a few things up in the the way they prepare themselves. A bit of chat that they were flogged a bit too hard pre-season and then they just what lacked fitness, which is why they slowed down on the back end. 0457 736 736. Just to cricket, uh, congratulations. Australian Vice-Captain Rachel Haynes has announced her retirement from international and state cricket. She's still going to go around in the WBBL this season for the Thunder. Left-hander. I was meant to chat to her yesterday and she was a last-minute withdrawal and can see why now. Sort of a two-part career. She was in the team up to 2013 and then basically almost four years out. Four years out, been dropped following the 2013 Ashes in England. But a wonderful, wonderful cricketer. A calm, stabilising presence. Captain Australia on 14 occasions when filling in for Meg Lanning, most notably during that 2017-18 Ashes when Lanning was ruled out with that shoulder injury. But since her return, average 45 in ODIs, 33 in T20s. Strike rate of 126. 200s, I think 19 half centuries in ODI cricket and 167 matches in all format. She's a new mum now too, so obviously uh, these things happen, don't they? You, you get to that certain age and you've got to determine whether you want to spend as much time away from home and playing a lot more cricket, playing a lot more cricket. So congratulations to Rachel Haynes uh, bringing the curtain down on a stellar career. That text line number 0457 736 736. And if you'd like to give us a shout, I'm all ears, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. But we've got a big game Friday night, Combank Stadium, the Eels and the Canberra Raiders. And I thought, okay, when I was on air last night, I was chatting to the Seal, who's on the buttons today, and I said, we'll just get one of the Eels people home. And sure enough, I go to get my coffee this morning, driving past, and who should be there blowing the froth off a few cappuccinos with Timmy Manor, the elegant left-hander David Gower, and their star number nine. Reed Marnie. So I thought that has got to be a sign. So I walked up and patted him on the back. Timmy, you want to join us for a chat? And ever obliging because that's the sort of bloke he is, an Eels legend, and he's part of the family here at SEN. He's on the line route. And I, hello, Timmy. Hello, George, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Hey, listen, back at home, uh, this is such a big game for Parramatta. Uh, let me ask you, with, with your Eels hat on, how are you feeling about it as an Eels matter? Are you nervous? Are you confident? Are you worried? Are you, are you cautiously optimistic? I'm confident, and I have been confident all week, but I think the closer we get to the game, the, a little, little bit more nervous starts to creep into the psyche. You start thinking about, you know, the form Canberra's in and how good they're playing. And, uh, mate, it's not going to be an easy win. Like, I, I know theoretically you look at the fact that they just snuck in the eight and, you know, we finished top four. And, you know, we should win this game, but 
Mate, Canberra, they're going to be a, a tough task as well. Mitch Moses cleared to play. That's been the big talking point this week. You're okay with the call, I guess, from a from a health perspective? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not the doctor, so I don't know, you know what the protocol is like. But I think um, yeah, he needed to play in terms of Pam had his you know, chance to win this game. Uh, if you ask me about the, the health side of it, mate, I... I don't know. I don't know if if you ask me if it was a round sixteen, does he play? Um, it's it's a hard one to answer, mm. but I was like, you just have the feeling that um, he was always going to play this week, knowing what was on the line. Tim Jacob Arthur, uh, you know, unfairly maligned by sections of of the Parramatta fan base. Can you give the rationale for having him on the bench and what what the thinking is? Because he strikes me as a genuine half. Is he the sort of player that could could drop in at number nine if need be? Well, I think he has he has played a bit of nine, so he, he obviously can do it. Um, I think obviously the hardest is his strength, you know, whether it's five eight or halfback. That's that's where he's best suited. Um, I don't I don't know if he's an outside back. I don't know if he can fit into the forwards very well. Um, so you know, if you have to say where to come on, you, it's probably the halves. Um, I guess he could play hooker, um, but you know, it's I guess that's why the coach is there. He gets he's got to kind of make those tough calls and, and live by them. So um, it is it is an interesting call. Um, you know, I, I found it strange that he said he might not even get on, um, which is a weird way to go to a game, you know, yeah. given the fact that he might not play a player. But, mate, that's, that's why I'm not a coach. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, can't, yeah, I don't know where he plays other than, I guess, hooker or the halves. Yeah, radio interviews are far easier than coaching footy. Hey, oh, let me mate, ask yeah, you. We're just to talk about it, but yeah. Mate, uh, how many highballs do you reckon Wonga Blake's practicing this week? Well, there you go. There's another example of yeah. me. Um, well, I can't comment because as much as I can kind of critique uh, the weekend and the hot, the debacle that was the highballs, I don't know if it was me under there. I would have not got it within two metres of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're coming up. They, they're definitely coming up. And I, I, I just saw Sticky on uh, NRL 360 talking about uh, the fact that they'll be having a crack as well. I don't know if Canberra has um, the arsenal that you know, clearly has in terms of what he can do mm. with those kicks. Um, so, yeah, it's one thing to want to attack Waka with those balls. It's another thing to go to put those balls up the way clearly did. Uh, what do Parramatta need to do better than last week, Timmy? Um, I thought they were okay the first uh, the first half last week, and for, for, for you know, the first probably sixty minutes, they were, they were really good. Uh, for, for first, I guess they got to play an eighty-minute performance. They got to play a, a full game because that's what finals football's like. Um, and you know, playing at home is a great advantage. But I think they just got to they got to start strong. Um, you know, because Parramatta once they if they can get into a bit of a lead, they're very hard to lay back in there. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really good at riding home the, the victory. Um, yeah, but if they kind of let Canberra come out and ambush them, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough task for Parry to, to chase points. Um, so I think the, the key for Parramatta is their start of the game tomorrow. All right, listen, this must tickle your fancy being a, a front rower. Uh, what about this clash? Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Barlow, big... Joshy Papali'i and Joey Tarpano. Uh, that is going to be massive. Oh, mate, it's, it's, it's the best front row clash I can remember for a long time. Yeah. Now, if you ask me throughout the year, I'll, you'd have to say Junior and Regan have been the, you know, two of the best front rows in the comp. But then, you know, you look at the last six weeks or seven weeks of the Raiders and, you know, Tarpani and Papali'i have just owned the competition. They've been outstanding. So it's a bit of a mouth-watering clash. I think, um, you know, everyone's excited about it. I know... 
I know it's uh, yeah, it's it's one of those clashes where you know it's going to be where the game's won. Mm. Yeah, for all the talk about um, you know the Mitchell Moseses and um, you know the the whitens of the of the game tomorrow, I think the game's going to be won in that forward pack, and whichever forward pack kind of dominates it in the field will go a long way to win that game. Just, just on Parramatta, I mean, is this the year? Is this their year that they need to get it done? You know, they've got a couple of key personnel departing the club at the end of the season. If they bow out in straight sets, how do you mark the year? And what sort of pressure does that then throw back on on Brad Arthur? Yeah, but they 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 have to win. They have to win tomorrow. Like you know, if you told them at the start of the year that you know you have to beat Canberra and Cowboys in a grand final, you're taking that any day of the week. That's yeah. a you know that would. Be, so the the path is there for them. Like they, you know, they got a really, really good opportunity, and I'm a big believer that this squad can win a comp. Um, if they lose tomorrow, it's it's a really, really poor way, for, you know, for the club to bow out. Um, yeah, so it's, it's there's a bit of pressure on them tomorrow. Like I still think that they're in the hot seat to win this one. And you know, at home, uh, the way they bounce back after a loss is really good. There's a lot of good signs there for para fans. Um, but yeah, if you, to answer your question, if they lose this game, it's a it's a it's a really really disappointing way to end the season. Mm, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I have to say it. You know, the, the home ground advantage and Mitch Moses uh, being included, uh, they're the things that, uh, along with Parramatta's desperation, you just mentioned uh, that just ever so slightly uh, tipped the scales in their favour. I think. But you know, the Canberra got momentum, and we read in the paper today that. Uh, Ricky's finals record is very, very good. Mate, before I let you go, a quick word. Uh, this is going to be a belter. and It's a toss of the coin, isn't it? South Sydney, Cronulla, Saturday night. Uh, which way are you leaning? Mate, well, I'll start by saying I love everything Fitzy's done in that club. I'm a huge Fitzy fan, and I think Cronulla are starting a new era of that club, and they're going to be around for a long time. That said, I'm going towards the Labrador's. I just think they're just, they're just riding high momentum. What Luttrell's doing every time he touches it is it's really special, and I think at the moment that left edge at South Sydney is probably the best left edge we've seen in NRL mm. for over a decade. So I'm, I'm, I'm going toward the Rabbitohs tomorrow on Saturday. Oh, it's deadly, isn't it? I, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. Both sides score some really high quality tries and played, you know, top shelf football. But but you're right. There's this is the feel about South Sydney at the moment. Latrella and Cody was magic as well. And uh, what you said about their left edge, um, it's hard to argue with. Mate, thank you as always for your time. Uh, looking forward to the footy this weekend. We'll speak soon. Cheers, Joel. See you, mate. There he is, Timmy Manor. Uh, Eels legend, great fella as well. Timmy, and part of our coverage here at SEN. 0457 736 736. And the Wallabies are on the board. I'll take them any way they can get them. It's 10 points to three off the boot of Bernard Foley. 10 points to three, about 18 minutes gone in the first half. It's nice to see. The thing about it is, I mean, there's a huge New Zealand contingent there tonight too, so... And you can tell when the All Blacks pack out a stadium, so it looks like the lights have been turned out because everyone's in black. It's very dark out there. Very dark. Out. Laurie Fisher looking resplendent in the bucket hat. Normally, I'd say, I'd say bucket hats are, you know, it's where fashion goes to die, but he can pull it off, Laurie. The Santa Claus countenance that he has with the white beard, the bucket hat. Ten points to three. Uh, Bernard Foley. When was the last time he scored points for the Wallabies? We've got Gibbo milling around. He can be our our unofficial stats man for the rah-rah. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Uh, who are you looking at? Parramatta, Canberra, South Sydney, Cronulla? And how do you solve the bunker problems? What do you think of Joey's idea? Two referees. And the bunker can't rule on general play. I've got to say, it is not the worst idea.
from Andrew Johns. You're on high ground. So the score remains 10 points to three. 10 points to three. 22 minutes gone in the first half. The All Blacks lead the Wallabies 0457. 736-736, that is the text line number. Bondi Jack, good evening to you. Jules, don't get me wrong. I love them both passionately, but Souths, surviving my chooks twice, 11 on 13, was never about the courage of their D. It was purely about Suali'i murdering four tries with Toops and Nagama unmarked. Yeah, it wasn't his best game, was it? I'll, I'll go with you on that one, Bondi Jack. It was Kiri playing short left a dozen times instead of out the back to the three-man overlaps. Extraordinary. Incompetence matched only by the fragile D from Moma and Sammy. If Teddy isn't taken out, even then, if Robbo puts Nagama at one, Chooks still win easily. Souths are soft, Bondi Jack. So you reckon the Sharkies have got him, Bondi Jack? You reckon? I don't know about that one. I just, there's something about Souths and this momentum. I won't use the word destiny, but you just sort of, I don't know. Cody was great. Latrell was great. I'm the only two, but Alex Johnson just scores tries for fun now, doesn't he? Like, two, the thing about AJ, two is par for him. Two a game is par. It is just scary. It is just scary. 0457 736 736. Thank you. Keep those texts coming in. This is funny. On the Sports Confidential, Mick Carianis is a friend of ours, and you hear him on Brekkie with Vossie and Brandy, but St. George Illawarra centre Zach Lomax has stepped out with a new glamorous girlfriend with a pair set to become Australia's new sporting power couple. So apparently... Talia Thornton and Zach Lomax are meant to be Australia's new sporting power couple. Gee, they're well. Who would they dethrone? Who would they? I don't know. Who, who do you reckon Australia's current sporting power couple are? I don't know. Certainly not Jimmy and Nadia Bartell. Lomax has been dating Australian swimmer Talia Thornton in the past few months, with Thornton spotted at recent St. George Illawarra matches. I thought she watched them for the entertaining style of football they play. Maybe she's uh, responsible for Lomax's turnaround and form. Maybe she can get Lomax's ears. No flick passes inside your own half, please. So the pair are in Hawaii as Lomax enjoys some downtime following the Dragons' premature end of the season and have happily posed for photographs, including on top of Diamond Head in Hong I mean, that's all lovely, but who gives a rats? Who gives a flying fig? Who cares? And I like Zach Lomax. I'm a Dragons fan. And good luck to him and Talia. I wish them all the best. And it goes on to say how he once dated Jess Sergis, but now they've erased uh, any traces of them being together on their accounts. And this is the thing. I mean, they, they pay people at these organisations to, to scroll through accounts and say, oh, so-and-so's not following so-and-so. Or so-and-so unfollowed so-and-so. Like it's the scandal of the century. I don't care. And nor should you. It's uh, barely at a man bag. So our good friend, uh, James Magnuson, and he's tight with Kyle Chalmers, as you know has hit out, well, not hit out, but jokingly, and Jess has said to <laughs> Zach Lomax uh, via Instagram, nice man bag. And just look at the pictures. It is a man bag too. It is a debt. Oh, Zach, no, 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 no. That is awful. That is a purse. Ten points to three, no change to that score. 24 and a half minutes gone in the first half. This Thursday night, Bledisloe Cup clash between the All Blacks and the Wallabies at a packed-out Marvel Stadium. Now, uh, just on the cricket, Ben Horn reports that Australia's set to play two tests at the Oval next winter. This is a really jam-packed calendar coming up, but that also includes the World Test Championship final and the Ashes. And the Ashes. So the World Test Championship final will begin on either June 6 or 8, probably at the Oval in London. What about in the 100? They're called the Ovals. Just the Ovals. Nod to the Oval. Isn't that weird? The Ovals. Oh, personally, I mean, look, at least you can touch it. 
you know, I like mascots and emblems that you can touch. It's something like a spirit. They'll do it for me. You know, you can't hold it in your hand as such. And do we have a try, potentially, to the Wallabies? Yep, this time there's no mistake. Ten points to eight kick to come. So hopefully they will square the ledger. So well done, the Wallabies hit back after a slow start there at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, so the Oval in London, that's where the World Chess Championship final will happen rather than the Lords. Uh, there's a few complications, apparently, about using the home of cricket. Australia looking pretty good to make the final for the first time. Now that Look, you'd think they'll clean up the West Indies and South Africa this summer. South Africa's bowling's good, but their, their batting's no, not much chop. And if they do qualify, we'll uh, be asked to back up from the historic challenge of Vine to be the World Test champions in in a one-off test for the hype of the first Ashes test at Edgbaston just a few days later on June 16. So, yeah, absolutely right. It is a jam-packed schedule. Rob Valentini, unmistakable, that uprush of hair. You know, sort of, it's almost Don King-like, the uprush of hair, right? He's a good player, a really good player, crashed over from short range. Ten points to eight, kick to come. New Zealand lead Australia. Yeah, it's a good uprush. It is very Don King-like, isn't it? Seal? It's very, yeah, it's, it's like... Yeah, remember when they were talking about uh, that great sports documentary, the great sports doco, uh, When We Were Kings, talking about the rumble in jungle in the jungle in Zaire in 74, Foreman v. Ali. And Don King was a promoter, and he got the signatures of both fighters on paper. He didn't have the money, so he hit up the Zaire government to fork out to host the fight, which, which they did, Mobutu the dictator. But the description of Don King is that either that he'd, he'd stuck a fork in a socket... <laughs> The hair's gone up, or he's, or as the late Norman Mailer, one of the great American writers, said he's falling through an empty elevator shaft. Now, ding! You're not looking, still. Whoosh! And there goes the hair. That's Rob Valentini to a T. Uh, conversion successful, ten points to eight. You know what I'm saying? Conversion successful. I actually, didn't see it, so I'm presuming because Foley doesn't miss those, and thankfully he didn't, so I didn't make a fool of myself. Ten apiece, uh, New Zealand and Australia. Twenty-six minutes and a half gone. It'd be nice to win. Be really nice to win. The thing about it is, because the return leg is September 24 at Eden Park. Now, they always talk about this Eden Park hoodoo and how the Wallabies haven't beaten New Zealand there since 1986. A great trivia question. Everyone's got that smart-ass sports mate that reckons they know it all. And I know, because I'm probably one of them to my mates. But the trivia question was, oh, was the last time Australia beat the All Blacks at Eden Park? Well, it was 86. Alan Jones was coach of the side then. It's before that spring tour. But if you said to somebody, when was the last time the Wallabies won at Eden Park, immediately their mind would spring to 80. It was 86. No. No. 2011 World Cup, Rugby World Cup, bronze medal playoff. A bronze playoff. Australia beat Wales at Eden Park in 2011. So there you go. You can take that away. Don't have to credit me. Take that away. And next time you're at the pub, Wallabies say, hey, here's one for you. When's the last time they beat... Anyone. When's the last time they won at Eden Park? Oh, it's 86. Bam! Wrong. 2011. 845-736-736. Rocky. Uh, good evening to you, my friend. Elise Perry and Nat Fife. Is that an official thing? It is an official thing. Well, that is power cut. Because Elise, of course, was, was married to Matt Tamua. Uh, the Wallaby, former Wallaby, I should say. Uh, Elise and Nat Fife. Yeah. Look, with, with respect to Zach Lomax and Talia Thornton, are they going to be a rung or two below Elise and, and Nat Five. Nat Fife is more nationally recognised as a footballer. He's a multiple Brownlow medalist. Uh, you know, at Nat Fife, can I say, and I've had the good fortune to interview Nat Fife, uh, one of the best talkers in Australian sport, like hands down, brilliant speaker. Now, he, he'd be a walk-up star for a media gig, you know, a wonderful footballer, and Elise is just a darling. 
Uh, Kingy, good luck, Sharks. Yeah, good luck to the Sharkies. They cop Sunday's zero common sense bunker more on Atkins as referee and cop the other interferer, Woodstock Sutton. The aggrieved and overlooked little whinger out to steal the limelight in the bunker. Who will pilot South's home? Long day coming. Toss of the coin, BJ. Toss of the coin. Like I said, initially I went South and then I went to Cronulla. Now I'm going back to South Sydney, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sharks win. Consistently and defensively, they've been a better side this year. I think the last time out, there was only a field goal in it in the end. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I guess the question for Cronulla is how do they bounce back from that game mentally, not just physically, the 92 minutes of pretty decent football. And forget about the defence, forget about the fact they conceded 32. But the fact that they had the game in the bag with 20 seconds to go, I mean, that has to hurt. Because think about it. They win, they get the week off, they sit back and they will just watch Parramatta and Canberra beat up on each other. That's what could have happened. But now they've got to roll past Souths who are flying. And then if they do that, they've got an assignment with a defending Premier's Penrith. I mean, it doesn't get much tougher. It doesn't get much tougher. Anyway, 0457 736 736. Thank you. Can you top Zach Lomax and Talia Thornton as Australian sports power couple? See, I'm not into the sort of the gossip side of things, but if you can think of any, please, by all means, the words of Craig David, fill me in. Now, Caitlin Moran, just to something more serious, the, the Newcastle utility, uh, you probably would have heard this news. She's been banned by the NRL following an investigation by the Integrity Unit after an offensive social media post which referenced the Queen's death. There's a former Gillaroos representative, also an Indigenous all-star, has since been forced to delete the Instagram post, which featured a picture of Queen Elizabeth too. So the ban was handed down yesterday by the NRL. Moran's set to be suspended for one game, and find 25% of her salary. That is suspended, though, wholly suspended, provided she fulfills a number of conditions. So the breach notice also proposes, as we said, a one-match suspension in the NRLW. The fine will be suspended for a period of 12 months to be payable immediately should the coach code be further breached in that period. And it goes on to say in a statement, rugby league is an inclusive game and has a proud and strong relationship with many communities Regardless of any personal views, all players and officials must adhere to the professional standards expected of them. And on this occasion, the public comments made by the player have caused damage to the game. That's the nub of it. Regardless of whether you agree with Caitlin Moran's sentiment or not, you know what? There are parallels here with the Israel Folau Oh, What about free speech? You know what? If I'm an employer and I feel that something that an employee, an identifiable employee of my organisation has done, which I think can damage the reputation or of my workplace, then I am entitled to hand down some kind of sanction. It's actually not a free speech issue. Okay. So, no, we're not asking athletes here to, to check their beliefs and their philosophies and their values at the door. We're not asking athletes to do that necessarily. But on the flip side, I mean, organisations have beliefs and values and standards as well. So where's the middle ground? Where's the middle ground? And as I said with the Falau thing, well, you know what? I mean, nobody's telling me you can't say that or think that, but if you get kicked out of the church, you're free to preach in the marketplace. You may have a thought on that tonight. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. I'm a bit lonely here in the studio. I'm going to drag uh, our good man, Alex Cecil, in uh, momentarily to have a bit of a agree to disagree. It's uh, very unusual for him to do it twice in two nights, but he's champing at the bit. And I'll get his thoughts as well on the Champions League because he is our 
unofficial football expert on higher ground. In fact, why don't we do this right now? Do you want to take a break? Okay. 10 points all, 31 minutes gone. Just over 31 minutes gone in the first half. This first of two Bledisloe Cup clashes for 2022, the All Blacks and the Wallabies at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, welcome back to the program, a special edition, a Thursday night edition of High Ground. Of course, the no Thursday night footy. We're going to fill the breach and then this all-important clash tomorrow night, the semifinals, the official semifinals too, said last night. It's funny, when, when teams make the finals, people sort of colloquially refer to them as, ah, oh, the semis. You know, make the semis. Well, the first week is either the qualifying or the elimination finals. The third week are the preliminary finals. The fourth week is the grand finals. So really, it's only this second week that are officially the semifinals. Canberra. Travel to Combank Stadium to take on Parramatta. A lot of pressure on the Eels. I spoke to Tim Manor earlier. He said, well, you know what? If they don't, they have to win. This is their chance. This is their year. I mean, if if you're offered at the start of the year, you've got to beat Canberra and then North Queensland to make a grand final. You would take that any day of the week and twice on Sunday. They have to deliver. Moses, of course, the key in for that side. The Canberra got all the momentum at the moment. And Ricky, his stats, he knows how to win finals games. He, he generally... History shows that when Ricky makes finals, he gets to prelims. He gets to prelims. Take of that, take out of that what you will. May mean everything, may mean nothing. Ten apiece between the All Blacks and the Wallabies. A TMO decision. It's a bit hard sometimes in the studio to to follow closely what's happening. Potential foul play. So we might see somebody spend some time off the field here. Just having a look at the replay. There's a little fend there from the All Blacks number 11. A lot of shirt pulling at the moment. Got to say, I love that the tone of gold, the original tone of gold. And as he sort of wrestled to the ground, I can't see anything yet. This looks like a play at the ball of the Australian winger. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll await that decision. And then, of course, Saturday night, it's back to the league, South Sydney and Cronulla. Uh, which way is that going to go? And I'll catch up with Steve Maven, former South Sydney player and now host of Rabbitohs Radio on the next hour of the program to get his take on that match. Ten all, the New Zealand All Blacks and the Australian Wallabies. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. Uh, Alex Seal, a.k.a. the Mad Russian, the Mulch Dog. Uh, good evening to you. Good evening, friend. Jules. Good evening, listeners. Nice to be back again. Two nights in a row. I know. Tasty. But, uh, what do we owe this honour? Two nights in a row, huh? Finals oh, football. I should, I should finals just, football. I just apologise. Finals football, yeah, Jules. Yeah, I've got a dose of finals fever. Oh, my goodness. Be two cracking games of footy as well. Can't Think wait. about it. I live in the Parramatta area. I can tell you all the back streets. Mm. If you're a parking cop, you want to cash in, tomorrow night is your night. Yeah. It's narrow, I live in a narrow street, White right? It's two-way, but when cars park, you can't get two cars down there. So you leave the gap and you see one of them, but you pull over to the side and flash the lights. And after a game, it is just, they sit on the horn for hours because I'm not backing out. Oh, I'm not backing out. And I like, can you shut up? I'm trying to get my kids to sleep. And long may that continue. Because <laughs> <laughs> all those years uh, rebuilding the stadium was all a bit too eerily quiet. And mm. the Wanderers fans as well. But it's going to be a beauty. It's going to be an absolute it's beauty. Be uh, yeah, 10 all. And they're still awaiting that TMO decision. Uh, one of the All Blacks still down as well. All right, agree to disagree. I'm going to piggyback off the back of the rugby. And I'm going to say our first agree to disagree, Bledisloe still matters. Haven't won it in two decades. Oh, agree. And it still matters. Agree. Report from... The Oaks this evening, the pub up the road here in North Sydney. Uh, the Oaks in Neutral Bay? Absolutely packed. Yeah. Packed to the right. You can't, can't get a seat. Can't get a table. Yeah, you're right. You're in the target area, but my goodness. Um, I remember I once, said to you off air, this uh, was appointment viewing for me growing up. It's probably not quite as much anymore, but uh, um, 
Yeah, gee, there's, no, there's I, a feeling I'll go it, with you on it? that. Yeah, appointment of viewing, and, and, and you're right. And I think also, because rugby's fallen off the radar, we don't identify with the players as much as we did back in the day. But it might have actually been the 20... Would it be 2011? Mm. No, it might have been earlier than that. It might have been the 2007... It could have been 2007 World Cup, actually. And I was watching it at the Oaks. Australia were playing Wales from them. I think Beric Barnes scored a try for the Wallabies and... Tatafa Pilota now wasn't in the squad. And there he was sitting at the Oaks watching the run. I'm pretty sure it was then. There you go. Pretty sure. So, well, okay. uh, but absolutely it matters. Yes, it does. Glad to get an agree on number one. Number two, mm. we should, we, the NRL, mm. should never have gone away from two referees. Never. Shouldn't have done it. Uh, I. There was an outroar. I gave pref- in. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. Yeah. I, you know, think of this. We tend to sort of look at the history through rose-coloured glasses. Right? Yeah. How good a simple one referee. And, and they look at international football as well out of one referee. And so this game flowed well. Not always because they had one referee. But while you've got issues in the ruck, I think you need the second referee. Absolutely. I, I never advocated the change. I believe that there were some administrative decisions to be made in terms of cost-cutting when COVID hit. And that may have been part of the reason why they shaved it from two to one. But I think absolutely you need a second referee. Cost-cutting... When it affects your on-field product, I mean, yeah, of all the places to the cost time, cut, they, yeah. wow. Well, yeah, because it sort of coincided with the six again rule as well, didn't it? So for your bang six again, people are going to. But, but the, doesn't the, that the make think, more thinking sense was that, is that you know six again, you get ding ding ding, and people are going to you're going to see less infringements in the ruck because of the penalty involved, and therefore Isn't that there's more? no need for that that second pocket referee to officiate. Well, that's. See, for me, I'm the other way. That's all the more reason to keep the second referee there because the pace of the game goes up. So, a second pair of eyes, anyway. We're just looking at a potential try. Do the All Blacks, uh, it's gone up to the third officially, the match official, but it is no try. So, they've lost the ball over the line. So, it's one apiece in terms of no tries, and the score remains 10 10, All Blacks and the Wallabies. Mm. Number three, the nepotism report that's come out today is the beginning of the end for Brad Arthur deals. They lose this week or next week and ta-ta. He's I don't know about next look I don't know about next week. I don't know about, if they lose this week he's got big problems. Mm. He's top four. This is a team Should, that's beaten the premiers twice this year, beaten Melbourne when Melbourne are playing well. And as you said they're, they're losing Papa Lee, they're losing mm. Reed Marnie, they're not a better side next year. The premiership window's closing. He's a sort of guy that'll get you in the finals, good coach. Consistently make the finals. But can they take that extra step? Well, this is the year they have to show. And they were pretty good last year. Mm. Pretty good. They didn't make the prelim. They lost in the semi, but they acquitted themselves well against the eventual premiers. But, I mean, to, to go down, okay, all beaten Penrith, but if you can't beat Canberra at home mm. in the semi-final with that team, with Moses playing, then you need to ask the question whether it's time to blow the joint up. So is that an agree or a disagree? Uh, well, it's not about the nepotism angle per se, but I'll say agree if it's this week. That, but that nepotism angle hasn't come from outside, and I know it's been parroted in, in the media a little bit around around Jake, probably unfairly. But when that's the perception coming from within the club, and apparently there's been problems with pathways and the way that they've interacted down the line, mm. you're about to lose all those players. Don't you need the pathways and all the players that are coming up behind well and truly on board to begin that, if it's not a rebuild, a re-strengthening of mm. the first-grade team? <coughs> oh, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not privy to what happens inside the corridors there, apparently. Mm. But, uh, 
you know, I think the issues are going to run a bit deeper than Jacob Arthur. That's sorry. That's the point I'm trying to touch on. Mm. Is that if that's the impression within the club and from deep within it, when you're talking about pathways and people working underneath the top top tier of the club, if you know what I mean. You're saying isn't that, that, that isn't that more that, worrying that shows than it's that just there, being there, Jake? That there's an issue at the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah potentially, potentially. Mm. Oh, okay, I agree. Okay, glad to get two out of you. Ten all. Okay, we're going to going from food to drink. I think it's going to be a seltzer summer. Hang on, from food to drink. What food did we talk about? Well, food. You know, usually I come in with a fourth, and it's a food topic. Like Japanese tonight too. I love Japanese. My God, you got to mortgage a kidney. It gets very expensive. But you, did you get it from around here? No, 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 I didn't. no. Well, it does cost you an arm and leg. It's, it's, I remember taking my son down to Wollongong for the double header between the Dragons and the Titans. It was the first week of the NRLW. Hmm. Went back to a glorious day. And, you know, go to the sushi train. Oh, yeah, Dad, I'll have this. I'll have this. Oh, those and plates stack plate up very, very stack quickly. Up and, go, and you're looking at the green and the yellow and trying to figure it out. Well, that's $5. Go, Listen, just <laughs> don't just let me tap. I don't want to look at it. Very, very yeah. good business model. Mm, I think it it's going to be a seltzer summer. I think you're going to see a lot of clear drinks around barbecues. Are you one of these? Pubs. I don't like beer anymore. Well, again, not really targeted at salsa lovers, but no, I love beer. But mm. I think there's going to be a lot of clear liquid I've got to say, flowing not, around pubs and I can't barbecues think, this I, this summer. Oh, no doubt. Well, it's going to be another El Nino summer. So maybe just temper that so slightly. I don't remember the last time I used the word seltzer. Have so you had a seltzer? You. Oh, don't know when. Mm. Probably. It's not a bad option. Mm. It's be- I'd prefer it to the I'm... I'm over beer. Yeah, that, no. that said company. Okay. I prefer it to that. All right. All I'm saying is it going to be a seltzer summer? Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, because I've got to find a way to shoehorn football in, I'm looking forward to Socceroos versus New Zealand celebrating the centenary of the Socceroos, 100 years of the round ball in Australia next week in Brisbane, Thursday night this time. Agree. Fantastic. Agreed. Yep. Australia 10, New Zealand 10. That won't be the score between the Socceroos and... I hope and it is. Zealand. That'd be fantastic. Oh, really? 20 goals. <laughs> no, I don't, would it be fantastic? Would you enjoy watching a game of, of soccer football when it's 10 all? It wouldn't be very serious. No, it though. wouldn't at all. So, But it is the score uh, only seconds before halftime. 10 all between Australia and New Zealand. Thank you, mate. 0457 736 736. Now, there's a text here with regards to Elise Perry. We'll just leave that for the moment. Thank you. And uh, Trevor, hi, Jules, what about the Starks? What is it about women? Cricketers getting a run tonight. Yeah, Mitch Stark and, and Lisa Healy. Didn't even think of that. Mm. And I spoke to Mitchell Stark two days ago as well. And Lisa or Mitch was doing the rounds too at this cricket content capture day. But, uh, yeah, that's yeah, they're, they're a much bigger power couple than Zach Lomax and Talia Thornton. With respect. With respect. Okay, so you've got Lisa Perry and Nat Fife, and you've got Mitchell Stark and Lisa Healy. They're pretty elite. I'm not sure. Are there any stronger power couples in Australian sport than those two that you mentioned? Bobby Head. I mean, there's probably other athletes dating each other that we're not aware of. But if you do, make us aware of it. 0457 736 736. It just appears at the moment, it's looking up at our screens here in the studio. There are bodies everywhere. There's claret coming from heads. Eyes been checked. Heads been checked. Necks been checked. TMO's been called in. Potential foul play. Have stopped the clock with 15 seconds remaining in regular time in the first half. Uh, this is going to go down to the wire, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, you know what I'd love to see, like a penalty goal right in full time. 
a real classic Aussie win over the All Blacks. But as it stands, they are deadlocked. 10 to 10. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Don't be afraid to give me a call as well. 1300 011170. 1300 011170. Happy to talk. I'm not going to bite. Oh, just on Cameron Munster too. Uh, this is a slightly more serious story to emerge from the Telegraph. A little more serious than the loved-up couple between, well, that being Zach Lomax and Talia Thorne. The West Tigers have asked to be kept abreast of developments with Cameron Munster as they vow to do their very best to beat off any offer. He gets some rival clubs to leave the storm. So looks like they're, they're being pretty serious. Come on, Cameron Munster did admit that he got a text from Benji. Uh, didn't really talk numbers, just a general chat about, you know, would you be keen? Are you interested in a change of scenery? And what about the Tigers? Can I sell it to you? So Tim Sheens did confirm to the Telegraph in the confidential column that he had reached out to Munster's camp, so Sheens as well, and let him know that the Tigers wanted to be kept up to date with developments on contract talks with the Maroons' origin star. And they went on to say too that the Tigers would only make a formal offer if their interest was reciprocated. So don't lead us down the garden path here. Don't lead us on. However, it shows that Sheens and Benji Marshall, his assistant, along with Robbie Farrar, uh, they're aiming high as they look to rebuild the club. Well, it doesn't get much higher than Cam Munster. Sometimes what you need is just to go all in on a big marquee. And the Tigers supporters can take solace in the fact that their coaching brains trust won't settle for mediocrity when it comes to new signing. So if Munster plays for the Tigers, how do you fit everyone in? What does that mean for Adam Dewey? What does it mean for Luke Brooks? What does it mean for... For Jackson Hastings, what do you play him at fullback? In which case, Dane Laurie would be the one that gets squeezed out. So if they do go for Munster, how do you shake up that back line there at the West Tigers? You may have a thought on that, 0457 736 736. Do you want to get your thoughts on power couples as well? Because, I, look, the only reason I'm saying it's not not my words, but apparently, according to the Telegraph, Zach Lomax and Talia Thornton are set to become... Australia's new sporting power couple. Set to, so they're not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. Uh, Rooster star Matt Lodge has been overlooked for the Prime Minister's 13 side. Officials insist he does remain in contention for the World Cup Tour. He's played the best football of his career. Which makes you wonder if, he, if he'd played his entire career in a culture that he was happy with, how good could he have been? Matty Lodge. I heard Andrew, Anthony Seabold actually talking to Matt White on the game plan on Wednesday. He coached Lodge for a brief time at Brisbane. He's actually a very, very intelligent footballer, Matty Lodge. But the point is, I mean, the fact that he was left out of the PM's 13 probably doesn't augur well for his hopes of, of getting into that kangaroo squad. Because the other Roosters that did make the PM's 13, Suali, Crichton and Nat Butcher, all included in the side to play PNG in just over a week. DCU, Daily Cherry Evans, Josh Adokar, they've also been included in the squad, picked into consultation with Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. See, now that's interesting. I know he's got other things on his plate at the moment, Albo, what with the Queen dying and all. But the thing about Albo, doesn't matter what your political persuasion, you know that he is a genuine South Sydney fan and has been for life. Not like ScoMo. Not a bandwagon shark supporter. He was always a Roosters man, always an Eastern Suburbs boy. Parachuted into the Cedar Cook all of a sudden. Nah, I love my sharks. Love my sharks. He's booked once he never mentioned the Sharkies. It's one of his passion. But Albo, I mean, Albo could chew your ear off for half an hour about Elvin, Elwin Walters. He, it's S-S-U-I-D. South Sydney until I die, Anthony Albanese. So, it, look, in that respect, you can understand it is a PM's 13 after all that that team would be picked in consultation. But 
He's a pretty half-decent selector. Unlike Peter Volandis, of course. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Halftime there at Marvel Stadium in this Bledisloe Cup clash between the All Blacks and the Wallabies. It is 10 apiece. Welcome back to the second hour of the program, this special edition of High Ground on a Thursday night right here on SEN. Great to have your company wherever you're tuned in, 1170 in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, SEN 1620 on the Gold Coast and across the globe via the SEN app. The open line number, should you like to join me, don't be shy, one 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Half time uh, at Marvel Stadium in this Bledisloe Cup encounter, the first of two. The return leg on Saturday week at Eden Park in Auckland. But uh, 10 apiece between the All Blacks and the Wallabies. So they scored the first try, I think, in the first 10, 5, 10 minutes. They went 7 points to nil, then 10 nil, and then Australia 10-3. And then that try, converted try, at another 7 points and 10 all. Darcy Swain has been shown a yellow card for the Australians. Bowden Barrett's on the field in New Zealand sub at the moment. Rob Leota had left the field as well. So we'll keep you abreast of that with 40 more minutes still to come and you know, hopefully, as I said at the top of the show, this, this is the time you want to get them. The All Blacks, uh, a lot of pressure on their coach Ian Foster. The topsy-turvy season for them. Uh, losses to Ireland, home record, home loss to Ireland. Losses to South Africa and uh, stunningly, they lost to Argentina as well. This is not the All Blacks that we know. But having said that, it's probably a good thing. Good thing for world rugby. 0457 736 736. I'll catch up with Steve Maven. Stevie Mabin, run around for Souths now. He's on uh, Rabbitohs Radio or Rabbitohs TV, I think it's called now, which you can get on your podcast platforms and they stream it on YouTube. So Barney's fans would be well aware of his work, Stevie Mabin. I want to get his thoughts on this big clash between Cronulla and South Sydney on Saturday night. Who do you like? Where's it going to go? Like I said, I flip-flopped on this one. It could go either way. It could go either way. I went Souths and I went back to Cronulla. Now I'm back to Souths. Not till Saturday, so give me Saturday morning. Might be back on the Sharkies again. And the Ford packs are—they're both outstanding Ford packs at the moment. I mean, you'd think—I don't know—do Souths have the advantage in the outside backs? Well, Cody, well, we're just in the back line in general. So I mean, Ilias, Cody Walker, your halves. You think about Latrell Mitchell there at fullback. You've got AJ, Campbell Graham. It's you know, some pretty decent players, but I mean, so do Cronulla, Hines, Moylan. Kennedy was good when he in his return last week. I mean, Molotalo's in career best form. And Connor Tracy, you know, he doesn't have bad games, Connor Tracy. He's a great guy to have around the team on one wing. I mean, it's a pretty decent side, isn't it? Really decent side. Now, uh, just some serious news. This from Michael Chamis and Mark Levy in the City Morning Herald. A coronial investigation has been launched to the shock death of Manly Seagulls rising star Keith Titmus. So an investigation now underway to determine why the 20-year-old collapsed during a routine pre-season training session and then later died in hospital November 23, 2020. And it could actually lead to a formal public inquest next year. So a date is yet to be set for a potential inquest, but it's been indicated that, or to the family anyway, that the matter, should it proceed, would be heard in June and July next year, given a cause of death was unable to be determined in the initial report. And that's got to be concerning as a family. Football player fighting fit drops dead and you don't know why. So a number of Keith Titmus's teammates and friends, uh, Josh Schuster, Jason Saab, Stefania Torquemano, Matt Dory, they've been asked to cooperate with the investigation. His girlfriend's also been asked. And the New South Wales Coroner's Court told the Herald, uh, this matter is still 
in the investigative stage. No hearing date has been set yet. No subpoenas have been issued. But the key is this, and I'll read this to you. A potential inquest is likely to examine the training methods of the Seagulls and the events that unfolded between Titmus suffering a seizure at training in Narrabeen and later that day when he's pronounced dead at Royal North Shore Hospital. So it happened rapidly. Now, to fill you in, over the past month, detectives have been interviewing Seagulls, players, medical staff and coaching staff. And the chief executive, Tony Mestrov, who only started the job last month, he's only just got his feet under the desk. Well, they're assisting the coroner's office with inquiries into the death of Keith Titmus. The Eagles understand that the coroner may hold an inquest into the matter, but no dates have been set for this. And so the statements of cardiologists, sports scientists, emergency physicians and various medical experts have also been requested. I think this is an important inquest uh, for the family, if nothing else. You go to training and think his whole life's ahead of him. Has a seizure, pronounced dead later that day at Royal North Shore Hospital. Can't give a reason why. So if anything, it's for the closure of the family. Because the initial autopsy provided no insight into the cause of Keith Titmus's death. While the toxicology report showed no sign of drug use. And now his brain's been donated to the Australian Sports Brain Bank for further research. And then statements from club officials and Titmus's family will be provided in the coronial brief being prepared. So we hope that they do find some kind of resolution. I remember that well. He's come through and said, well, how does this happen? Young player on the up, fighting fit, goes to training one day, has a seizure, gone. Gone. Terribly sad news. And, and then for the family who, you know, were asking questions why he's taken off life support when he was, but, you know, he was dead, he was brain dead. But to not know what had happened, how it had happened, that would be hard to live with. No, 457 736 736. Ben Hannant has opened up and softened up Paul Gallon's head for Hodges to put Gallon in a body bag. Good Lord. That's at a Rambo first blood talk right there, 465. When he connects with Gallon's melon, which has already had too many hits to the head. Uh, to be fair, I mean, Ben Hannant, Justin Hodges being representative footballers, they would have had their fair share of whack to the head too, 465. And JK, I want to see a grand final between the one-hit Jays Maloney Sharks and the long-suffering Eels Army. There's a battle. As this is fatalistic, I'm thinking Tarpana, Young, Papa and Co will bash Dinner Suit Moses and his soft pack and Woodstock uh, duds the gummies. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, look, everybody's going for Canberra. I, I didn't think they'd beat Melbourne, and they did. So I'm tipping Parramatta, which means Canberra will probably win. But I just think, you know, talking to Timmy, I, I just think with Moses there, they, they must win, they have to win. And I think the weight of history will be playing on their mind. Everyone talks about 86, you know, we talked about the hoodoo at Eden Park, Australia, and the All Blacks hoodoo of 86. What about the Eels and their hoodoo of 86? For a big club like that, a big Sydney club with their junior catchment, it just doesn't seem right, does it? That has been, what, 36 years now since I won a premiership. 36 years. Longest premiership drought for somebody that's won a cop in rugby league history. Or, sorry, out of the current teams. Longest premiership drought. And it's really not good enough. Now with Marnie going, with Papa Lee going, I don't know, they're getting Josh Hodgson next year, but it just, there's a few others near Corey going as well to the Warriors on big money. You just get the sense that if they're going to do it, and you know they can, 
It's the old statement, any given Sunday, you know they can. They've beaten Penrith twice this year. I know you might say one of the times was with 12 men, but they still did it. But importantly, they beat Penrith in Penrith. So when everything clicks for Parramatta, they can beat anyone on their day, but those are the three key words, on their day. It's such an erratic and volatile football team. Unpredictable football team. Which Parramatta's going to show up? I think the decent Parramatta's going to show up this week, and I hope they do. I'm on the heels. I'm on the heels. How do you go? Very, very well. Who's going to win? You think Pam, You think Canberra are going to continue their momentum? Will Parramatta finally get that win? And as I look up, they've scored a try. Struck first blood in that second half. The All Blacks, 15 points to 10. Only a minute gone too, so that's, that's a real pain for the Wallabies. 15 points of 10 kick to come. What happened here? And think about it. It looks like a turnover, just judging by the replay. So Australia had possession. Yes. Uh, that, I mean, that's just a sloppy error in the ruck too. On their own 22, they've turned the ball over and they've spread it wide out to the left. And they had a, what, a four-man overlap. Didn't need it. A step, pass back on the inside, and they have scored. So the All Blacks now lead the Wallabies. 15 points to 10. 15 points to 10 at Marvel Stadium with a kick to come. About two minutes gone in that first half. Keep those texts coming. You know, 457-736-736. We had enough about the Eels and the Raiders. I mean, this is mouth-watering, isn't it, this clash? Saturday night, Allianz Stadium. I guess it's a, what, a surrogate home for the mighty Rabbitohs. Don't know how the Sharks fans feel about that, but it is what it is, the brand-new shiny stadium there at Moore Park. Well, Steve Maven, 89 appearances for the Bunnies and now a host of Rabbitohs TV. You can get it on the podcast app, and, and I believe you can stream it on YouTube. He's on the line right now. Evening, Maves. Hello, mate. How you going? I'm going very well. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I was just saying earlier, uh, this game, you know, I keep flip-flopping. I said South is something about how they, they fought off the arch-rivals of Roosters and, you know, Cody was flying and Luttrell was flying. That left edge just looked so slick. And then I thought, well, you know what, for Cronulla and Fitzy in their first year to finish second, what an organised football team they are. I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? It is. Well, first of all, the Roosters clash. What a game that was. <laughs> Astonishing. Something else. Ha- have you seen a it game was. like that in your lifetime? Have you been involved in a game that remotely resembles what you saw on, on Sunday? No, well, we always used to fire up when we played the Chooks. And, but no, nothing like that. That just had a bit of everything. It was it just, you know, the send-offs, the, the, I mean, the sin bins and, you know, the, some of the footy played. It was just a brutal encounter and yeah, it'll long live in my memory, that's for sure. But I think, look, we were up for that. We showed so much passion. Like Latrell Mitchell, you saw how emotional he got after mm. the game. And, you know, Cody Walker, four tries. His Cameron Murray just showed how much we missed him when he got knocked out the week before. You know, he had a hand in three tries. He just creates space for Cody and he cuts people in half in defence. He leads by example. So we've got the key guys in the key positions. And if we can take that performance into this Sharks class. And, yeah, so hear what you say. They are they have played well all year. They did run second. The game we played against them earlier in the year, you know, we got, got beaten, I think, Golden Point and a couple of field goals that didn't go over. So yeah. we could have won then, yeah. and we didn't. But, look, it is a, it's going to be a big game. Allianz Stadium, I was there for the, the game in the week before, and what a stadium it is, a packed house. Uh, I, I think we need to go back there. My opinion is, it's, you know, we're building a centre of excellence at Maroubra. Mm. And, you know, we got, we're sponsored by the, the Juniors Kingsford on our show. And the light rail goes right from the club to the door to yep. Central. And yep. so there's some good transport options. And, it's a, you know, and, and the South fans will fill it up. <laughs> and they love the area. So I just think 
you know, hopefully they can get something sorted where we can work out to play some more games there. But Saturday night's going to be a big one, mate. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. It's interesting. I had a, a devoted Souths fan call this program a couple of weeks back. And is that, am I right in saying, Steve, that it was put to the members some time back, uh, where would your preference be out of Cora Allianz? And I think, I guess from a practical point of view, an access point of view, uh, they voted in favour of a core. Is that right? Well, I'm not sure what the exact numbers were, but I know there is a lot of supporters at the club that do prefer a core because... You know, we've got Rabbitohs fans from all over sure. town and coming from up and down the coast. And obviously, you know, you've got the, the train goes there and that sort of stuff. But look, I, I just think you can't deny that the, the great city of Sydney is a great place to visit. And, you know, the, you can get, like I said, you've got the light rail and there's a lot of beautiful hotels. And, you know, it's the the light rail is so good. I mean, we, we got straight on the light rail from mm. the Juniors Kingsford and it's, you didn't have to wait, and then the, when the game finished, we got straight back on. Because rather than waiting for a bus that takes you know sixty people, these can get you know, whatever it is, a couple hundred people on them. So it's moving a lot of people, and I just think, yeah, I, I mean, I'm biased because I grew up in Botany and you know, played at Redstone Oval, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, South Sydney. This, this is our turf. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I just think that you know, well, look, we're still going to be playing games at Acor, you know, the selected games against the Bulldogs or whoever, and you know, bit the, some of the semi-finals. So. Yeah, I just think we should, we need to go back there. Uh, yeah, so and I'll be there on Saturday night. I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great stadium to watch footy. And uh, but the Bunnies, yeah, well, we're going to be at training tomorrow. We, Like you said at the start, we've been doing a lot of live streaming. So we live stream the start of the session for a lot of the fans that can't get there. And we'll be keeping an eye on the, the 17. Now, obviously, big Thomas Burgess is cop that suspension and well, there was a petition to let him play because the precedent was set with Taylor <laughs> May and <laughs> it didn't happen. No, no, but, not, um, not for lack of trying, mind you. But how big an out is, is Tom? Obviously, he can't replace him. Michael Cheekham comes into the squad. Does it, does it change up much the approach of, of Demetria? Well, look, Thomas Burgess has had perhaps his best season this year. Yeah. He's given us so much punch off the bench and whether he starts or comes off the bench, he's 120 odd kilos and he's, he's been holding the ball and making breaks. And, you know, I think in the Cronulla game, he made one of the great runs and put us in position to kick a field goal and we just couldn't take that advantage. So, yeah, he's been playing well. So, yes, he is very hard to replace. But, you know, Cheekham gets his chance and he's got a lot of experience and he, he went pretty good when he came on last week. Um, and, you know, our bench has still uh, been pretty solid with uh, Liver Havili and, and also um, uh, Hame Uh So they've they've both had good seasons. So our bench has been solid. Mm. And, you know, uh, obviously our back three is going to hold the key. Uh, you know, Chai Arrow, Kian Kalamatangi and, and like I mentioned, Cameron Murray, they play big minutes and, you know, all great defenders, great attackers. Uh, you know, that, that's going to hold the key. But, look, you know, the way Latrell Mitchell's playing, since he's come back from that trip to Philadelphia and, you know, he worked with the uh, Bill Knowles over there and he, he worked wonders with him and he's got a whole new mindset. And I just think it means a lot to him to play in this final series after missing the last two. So, you know, um, you know, last week scored a try, kicked, didn't miss a goal, set one up, you know. So when we're getting that sort of production out of our big fullback and, you know, Cody chiming in, setting up tries. I think we're going to be very hard to beat. You know, yes. no one's ever won this. NRL, no one's ever won the NRL Premiership from outside the top four and 
all that means is someone's got to do it eventually. So, yeah, someone's got to be the, the first. The yeah, they match up so well, these teams, and particularly the packs, but you're talking about Latrell. Hey, did you get any rationale as to why he booted the ball away on a zero? Yeah, well, we, JD was asked that, and they planned to do it a bit earlier to, um, to just to turn them back on their feet. And um, by the time of the third set, it wasn't really on, but Latrell did it anyway. And, okay. um, you know, gifted, gifted them a bit of field position. Luckily, it didn't backfire, but, you know, we think it's good that JD and the coaching staff are you know, trying a few things out of the box, you know, not just going through the motions. They're, you know, they're a good team there with Benny Hornby and uh, Johnny Morris, and, you know, they've got a, a, a great coaching staff, and um, there's just a good feeling around the club at the moment. You know, we've been through a bit of adversity. We lost Latrell for a while, and, you know, we finished seventh. You know, and people have written us off, but, um, you know, the Sharks, oh, I think they'd be pretty worried come Saturday night that uh, there's a storm coming for them. Steve, at the start of the year when Souths were, you know, not really stringing it together and conceding a lot of points, so was there still a, a real sense of belief in the club that, you know, given a new coach and obviously a new hardback and Lachlan this year, that it was going to take time for everything to come together and that the, the idea was to, to peak at the back end of the season? Well, I think so, yeah. And look, they've still there's still been some great performances throughout the team. Like Campbell Graham, you know, he came back successfully and had a blinder the other night, you know, in the right centre. And um, and and Lockie as well, you know. Look at his defence; he bounced back after the week before. He, you know, he, he probably had a game that he would like to have had back. And you know, Crichton sort of got through him there on the edge. But you know, he was solid as on the in defence the other night. You know, cut maybe a couple of little errors, but yeah, he's got a heap of potential and. So I think so, yeah, that, that halves pairing's taken time to develop. And, um, you know, like I said, hump, uh, another bloke that I haven't mentioned is um, Junior Totola, who's had a great season. Yeah. He won the George Piggins medal as the best in Paris player. So, you know, he's gone through the, one of his best seasons. So, yeah, look, we've still got the talent there to do it. And, um, you know, getting all the simple things right a key as well. Like, we completed up to 90% into the second half last week. So if this team can hold the ball, keep the penalties down and and and, and defend like they did, you know, they only let 14, team, 14 points into a Roosters team that had plenty of points in them. They get all those things right. They can just about beat anyone on their day. You mentioned the coaching staff there, Benny Hornby, or the assistants rather, Benny Hornby, John Morris. Uh, is that, How much of an advantage is it to have John Morris there in the coaching ranks considering his ties to the Sharks? Well, I don't think it's going to hurt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and having a bloke that's, that used to that used to coach first grade, I mean, you know, that's quality in your in your right hand man, and you know, Benny Hornby as well. He's been great. He's a you know grand final winner. He's played half and fullback, so he knows his way around the, the the footy field, and also he's a great coach. So yeah, I think it's a you know it's a bit of a dream team really. And they're talking about re-signing JD because he's you know he's, he's he's a good bloke too. So he's, we love him on our show. We've had him on for an interview and he's very approachable, you know, like it's a little bit hard to get hold of super coach Wayne Bennett at times, but you know, JD is a, you know, he's very, very approachable. And um, yeah, I, I think he's just the right guy at the right time for this team. And yeah, fingers crossed that they get out there and get it done on Saturday night. And then they meet, you know, the, the grand final replay. If we take on the Panthers at Acor, yeah. that's a whole different ball game. But yeah. 
I think if we can get through that one, I'm not getting ahead of myself too much. If we can get through that one. <laughs> no, nah, not at all. We'll get Cronulla and Penrith. I'm not getting ahead of myself. <laughs> no, nah, and then we've got, well, I'm already, I'm going to, I am. Yeah. We've got either the Cowboys, Par- Parramatta or, or um, Canberra, Raiders yeah. who, you know, so that, those three teams I think we, we can compete quite well with. So if we do happen to get to the big dance, look out. Yeah. Number 22 in 2022 is completely possible. It is. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Bennett and Demetrio because quite often it's difficult, isn't it, to follow in the footsteps of the master coach. And historically, the clubs mm. or, or coaches that have taken over uh, have had somewhat of a dip. But it seems to me that they handled the transition there at South from Wayne to Jason uh, better than I've seen at other clubs. Yeah, well, I have heard that, that there's a dip whenever, you know, Bennett leaves and he takes all these players. But I, I think, you know, look, that... JD's done a fantastic job getting the team to where they are this season. Obviously, we you know we didn't finish in the top four like we have done. So, but you know we our best player was out for a couple of months, Latrell Mitchell, and uh, you know the guys that come in and, and did the job and, and, and still we still made the finals now. And yeah, like I said, it's uh, it's high hopes that we can make a deep run into the finals. And uh, yeah, but well done to JD. He's, we love him at the club. And and uh, hopefully he's there for many years to come, and there'll be plenty more finals appearances for this team, and you know hopefully we get back to that top four uh, next year and beyond. Yeah. Steve uh, on the text line, Jack asks, can you ask Steve was he really at the pub across South Dowling watching the second half of that fateful semi with the South's punters? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was. Uh, I was only a nineteen-year-old dollar at the time, and I yeah. regrettably left the field before the game was over and ended up at the Cauliflower Hotel. So, yes, that is a true story. I walked in and one of the blokes said, what are you doing here? The game's still on. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, in hindsight, I wish I'd have stayed there with mm. my teammates and, and took the loss and the being replaced on the chin, but it didn't happen. And, um, you know, we, we had a bit of drama with uh, young Jackson Polo during the, a few weeks back. And um, there was a little article written by a couple of journos about comparing that I've been through a tough time and so has he. But I ended up seeing... Jackson at training and we shook hands and um, I said, mate, plenty more good for you to come for you. And he's, you know, he's the eye. I saw the article. So, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm glad I could say, you know, chin up, mate. And, you know, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be a future after that for you. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. I drove past the cauliflower the other week too. Still going strong. All right, mate, before I let you go, yep. what's your score prediction Saturday night? Uh, we got asked on the show in our live chat the other day, I said 28 to 10. So 13 plus. If this side can go out and hold the ball, like I said, then there's plenty of points in it. Yeah. And, um, you know, Latrell Mitchell and Alex Johnson. We didn't even mention him. And he oh, scored 30 mate. tries in back-to-back. I just back, said, you know, mate, 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 doubles are just par for him these days, aren't they? It's just, it's frightening. Exactly. It is frightening. You know, first try scorer last week, and a lot of people will probably had that in the, in the Maldives and I whatever. they but, did. Yeah, yeah. Our lethal left, if it clicks into gear yep. on Saturday night, yeah, 28 to 10. 28 to 10. Much. And, uh, oh, Parramatta Canberra, mate, just quickly. Uh, who do you like in that one? Uh, well, look, I think the, the Raiders have done well to get to where they they are, but I think the Eels have, um, have shown during the year that they can win some big games. So I'd probably expect the Eels to get them there. Eels and then 28-10 South Sydney to stay alive and then knock off Penrith and uh, beat whoever they have to beat in the grand final. Fingers crossed for all the uh, the Bunnies fans. Steve Maven, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch you on on uh, Rabbitohs TV. Oh, thank you. And I love all the shows at SEN doing a great job in there.
Thank you, mate. We love you too. Good on you. There he is, Steve Maven, uh, former Bunnies player and uh, very good with his time. 0457 736 736. So there you go, Jack. Yes, he was. He was. 24 points to 13. They're getting away from us now. New Zealand lead Australia. Uh, 53 minutes gone in the second half. Welcome back to the program. Uh, I don't think the Wallabies are going to get away with this one. Nick White on the field, although somebody's lift above the horizontal. But the thing about it is, I mean, they're so strident in their laws now that we could have games resembling last Sunday with seven people in the bin. Let's have a look at the score here. 31 points to 13 now. 57 minutes gone. 31-13. The New Zealand All Blacks lead the Australian Wallabies. So I think this game is done and dusted. Can they break that Eden Park hoodoo? And at least get to 1-1. Now, this is an interesting bunch of stats I came across here early today. Finals experience. Some of these names are going to surprise you. So what I'm going to do is read out the top 10 players with the most finals experience in rugby league. Tell me how many you reckon you get. Number one. No big surprise. He's played over 400 games. A dear friend was on air this morning. Cameron Smith has appeared in 42 finals matches. 42. Think about that. That's an average of four a year for 10 years. Second on that list, Cooper Cronk, 38. Third, Darren Lockyer, 35. Fourth, Kevy Walters, 34, with both Brisbane and Canberra. Cronk, of course, with, with Melbourne and the Roosters. Then equal fifth on that list, you've got Brad Fittler, Ray Price, Billy Slater. All with 32 finals appearances. Freddie with the Roosters and Penrith. Pricey all with power up. Slater all with Melbourne. Corey Parker, 30 with Brisbane. Then you've got Mick Cronin, equal ninth, or 29, along with the great Norm Sticks Proven, also 29 for St. George. That's not bad. One dragon in there anyway. And as for the rest, then you've got Je- Jesse Bromwich coming to 28. Also in 28 is the brick with eyes, Glenn Lazarus, across three clubs, Brisbane, Melbourne, Canberra, and he's won comps with all three clubs too, Lazo. Graham Eady. See, that surprises me. He's on 27 finals appearances. Oh, Wombat along with Loza. Also on 27. Dale Finucane's made 27 finals appearances. There's one that might have slipped under the radar. And Anthony Minicello. Then a ton of them on 26. Minicello, Tony Carroll, Jeff Gerrard, Justin Hodges, Graham Langlands, Jamie Lyons, Steve Price, Ricky Stewart, Steve Walters, all 26 finals appearances. Then on 25, Darius Boyd, Brisbane St. George Illawarra, Newcastle, Steve Edge, the AG 79, buddy. Uh, Parramatta St. George. Bob Fulton, Greg Inglis, Chris Mortimer, and Steve Mortimer. So way out in front, sort of way out in Cameron Smith, the most finals appearances, 42. Cooper Cronk second on 38. And Darren Lockyer third on 35. So there you go. Some funky numbers for you on a Thursday night. Uh, Steve says, was a massive Souths fan. Can't cop what they did with Reno. Now can't stand them, Steve. Uh, are you that willing to sack your club because they got rid of Adam Reynolds? That is a little bit harsh. Little bit harsh. No one's bigger than the club, Steve O. No is your favourite son. But you can't tell me oh, this is a thing people go, I don't go from you anymore. You can't tell me that if there's five minutes to go and it's twenty all and souths with the ball, that you're not cheering for them still. Because I don't believe that you can go for a club the whole life and all of a sudden say, No, no, I object to something they've done, I won't support them anymore. It's pretty hard to, to shed yourself with that allegiance overnight, Steve. Anyway, I'm not a Souths fan, but I'm going to speak on behalf of our last guest, Steve Maven, here by saying, I hope you get back on the train or on the bus, as Ivan would say. Thank you, 0457 736 736.
736736 is the text line number. Max King, by the way. So I mentioned Norm Proven. He was, um, of course, teammates with Johnny King. who had the record of a try in six consecutive grand finals. Well, Max King was part of that great King generation. Four generations have played first-grade football. So Johnny was his grandfather. His dad played for the Titans or Gold Coast. Not the Titans. Uh, Chargers, it might have been, or the Seagulls. I can't remember. And then Johnny's dad, Sess, had played as well. So four generations. Matt King uh, actually wants to play for England. How about that? Because he lived there. So his dad's Australian, his mum's English. Pledged his allegiance to England. So there you go. You can join Victor Radley if he likes. That is un-Australian. What would Johnny be thinking right now? He's a good man, Johnny. It's funny. He's tried in six consecutive grand finals. He said it would have been seven. Well, he had a lazy back row on the back line that hogged all the glory instead of passing the ball to him. He just had to finish. He just had to finish. Uh, tweet coming through from Fox League. I'm still a winner. Hannon went all the way with Gallon despite reportedly breaking two ribs in the lead up to the fight. And his interview in the ring was just as classy. Yeah, look, I haven't touched upon that because, you know, I respect Paul and what he's done in the ring, and he's more than just a, a travelling circus. But to fight, oh, you know, this whole two and a night, not for me. That is turning the sport of boxing into a circus. It really is. A four five seven seven three six seven three six. the text line number. What we might do is take a break on the other side of that. I'll drag the mulch dog back in, the mad rush and the mad seal, to have a look at the Champions League results overnight. Try to kill away the fullback. A nice little ball, too, from Bernard Foley, who's about five feet four, but that doesn't matter in the game of rugby, as you know. It's funny, he's a killaway crashed over. He's got a, a tinted ginge in the hair. He, he kind of looks like what Gibbard looked like if he cut his hair short, I reckon. Not a talented though. 0457 736 736. Jules, what odds Lindsay Collins finds some Scottish, Irish, or Jamaican grandparents heads off to sit out three World Cup pool game? Not so ridiculous. In fact, if I'm East, it's a lay down Mazair. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Loez, he pledged his allegiance. He's a Queenslander after all. Just say, well, he didn't get picked for Australia, so what's his second-tier nation? Can he serve you? Yeah, well, this is this is a loophole. And Jared's allowed to serve it. Do whoever else has got suspensions over their head, go to the World Cup, or get picked for the World Cup, then sit him out, and don't play the rest, and there you go. He's ready to start in the next season. Unlike Taylor and May, of course. Unlike Taylor May. Look, you make your bed, you line it. Thank you. Okay, let's have a look at some of the Champions League results from overnight. Uh, Seal, as we say, welcome again to mm. you. Uh, I want to start with Celtic 1-1 against, um, sorry, against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Yes. Oh, yes, it was Shakhtar Donetsk. They had plenty of chances too, Andrew Celtic. It's been a case of missing chances. They had opportunities to take the lead against Real Madrid on match day one. It was very much the same um, situation here. They're playing good football, which I think is the the big takeaway that they can take from these games. You know, scoring inside 10 minutes, albeit an own goal. They need some of their own to start mm. um, finding the back of the net. Dyson Maeda, who's come off the bench in both games, has found himself in glorious goal-scoring opportunities. Got to jump in, another try for the Wallabies. 31-25, kick to come. Has found himself with glorious Goal-scoring opportunities in both fixtures so far. Georgios Jakomakis uh, came off the bench as well. The Greek striker had a fantastic opportunity. You to, can say fantabulous. Okay. opportunity to... Um, it's like ginormous isn't a word. <laughs> to make it 2-1 to Celtic. But that's a good result. I mean, Shakhtar, obviously, there's some issues in Donetsk at the moment. Again, they're playing their home games in Warsaw. But I think Celtic will be a little bit disappointed. But Shakhtar are coming off a 4-1 win 
in their first game. Mm. So it's not the worst result for Ange's team. Look, they look like they're going heading towards the Europa League. They're looking to, like they're going to finish third in the group. But still a long way to go. Four more games. Um, plenty of time to make things up. They've got a double header um, up in their sort of their next two games. They sort of yep. group these two games together and play them over two legs. So and they've got a, an opportunity to turn things around. And Celtic supporters have sparked a bit of outrage unfolding yes. an anti-royal banner reading F the Crown mm. on the screen on television. The commentator, Rob McLean, said, oh, apologies if anyone has taken offence to anything seen in the early minutes. So they got that to deal with as well. Just a couple of the other results are Benfica 2 over UA, UVA 1. And it's a bit of a... Big result. Yeah, it's a, it's a big result. But um, did I read news that Paul Pogba's brother might be in trouble about something? Pogba's brother. No, I, could, I, I, could have to say, I have to say I've missed that one. But Benfica beating Juventus in Turin is a, a massive result. Benfica now winning their first two games and Juventus losing their first two. So um, the Portuguese side are poised to go through there. Juve are, Juve are a, a bit of a basket case at the moment. After winning eight straight Scudettos in, in Italy, winning eight straight league titles, they made a Champions League final where they were beaten by Barcelona. Um, they've been a very well-run club for the last decade and it all seems to be falling apart. There's already rumours that uh, Massimiliano Allegri might be moved on, um, having signed a five-year deal when he took over the club <laughs> for the second time. So that's going to cost them a fair bit, mm-hmm. Juve, and they're, well, they're not skint, but I think that's a decision they'd rather avoid making. Now, this is a big result, or a big match, rather, but this, this Eric Harland goal, my goodness. Erling Harland. Uh, sorry, what did I say, Eric? Erling Eric. Harland. We'll um, Eric. Yeah, I had Cantona in my mind. Uh, Man City <laughs> 2 over Dortmund 1. It was Cantona-esque, the gravity well, of well, it, he, the he got the, he got the feet up high enough, didn't he? So, he got the feet up to people who haven't seen it, it's a, it's a flying, it's something out of a kung fu. It's sort of like sort a, of a front flying move. scissor move. And it's just, just the, I, the height that he gets off the ground. He's a big man, Erling Haaland, well over six foot. And he's managed to get his foot above his head yeah, almost. It's incredible. He's gone past the sort of parallel to the ground to get his foot on the ball. Just absolutely remarkable. Got City back into the game. And then um, John Stones getting the winner with. Uh, Sorry, other way around. John Stones broke the deadlock and then Harlan getting that winner uh, with a flying karate kick. A, a goal that really should have been saved. The first one by um, by Meyer in the Dortmund net, but a deserved result for City. They were the better side. Dortmund's made them work for every inch, which you expect from them. Um, they showed a lot more discipline than they have so far in German football this season where they've been copping a lot of goals, mm. but they're a very good side and they showed it and City had to earn the three points. 31-27, the All Blacks lead, although they're having a shot at penalty goal here now, New Zealand. So 31-27, so a try would put Australia back in front. So we thought it was going to be a write-off. It was 31-13. So they mirrored each other, those scores, but they've come back now, Australia, put on 14 unanswered points. And this game, with 10 minutes to go, is going down to the wire. Just going to very quickly run through some other results. Uh, AC Milan, 3. Dinamo Zagreb, 1. Rangers, nil. Napoli, 3. Chelsea, uh, 1-1 one, one against Salzburg. A quick mm. word on that match. Chelsea obviously going through a little bit of transition at the moment with uh, the new owners and obviously sacked Thomas Tuchel a couple of weeks ago, the guy who took them to a Champions League. Don't mind. Um, yes. Short run of form. Hasn't been the best product. start to the season ever. RB Salzburg are a, are a good team. They're, they're an Austrian club that always come out of um, 
always end up in the Champions League because they've got enough quality there. They've got the money of Red Bull behind them. Mm. So uh, they're a long way from Skint as well. And yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea are in a little bit of a hole now. They're going to have to turn things around um, come the second half of the group stage. They've got two games against um, Milan to come which is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Milan have taken four points from their first two games, beating Zagreb, as you just said, and uh, being held by Salzburg as well. So um, there's a chance for Chelsea to turn things around, but it's never easy going to the San Siro, which is one of the most notorious. And you uh, say that beautifully too, by the way. It's, it's the San Siro. Always full, 60,000 people there. Yeah. It's intimidating. It is an old bowl of a stadium and... It, come out from underneath. There's some fantastic photos coming out of the changing rooms of the San Siro. 34-27, the penalty shot con- uh, successful by Richie Moanga. So 34-27 with about eight minutes remaining. So uh, it's a pretty competitive game of footy here at a packed out Marvel Stadium. Uh, and as I said at the top of the show, good to see the sport of rugby get some clean air. I mean, this is the one that still drags the eyeballs onto the screen, doesn't it? No AFL, no rugby league. And all we need now is a Wallabies victory. Eight four five seven seven three six seven three six four six five's got it in for Paul Gallon. <laughs> so had the fight tonight. Tonight's his double header fight, and is it a try? Another one for the Wallabies. Now we've got a game of footy on our hands. Now we've got a game. So that is uh, Pete Samu. Mm-hmm. Petey Samu, who's been playing good footy, is uh, of course he came out of the um, the Crusaders ranks too. Pete mm-hmm. Samu, so he's eligible for the opposition, but. Decided to play for Australia. Lovely little cutout pass. It'll break down the sideline, backing up, and then, yeah, so through the pass of the inside, then supported, took it, scored. How does he get behind the player again so quickly, Jules? Listen, don't ruin, the that... spe- don't ruin the spectacle, please. <laughs> nice little fend too, bang. Takes the defender, little pass on the inside and back out. So, yep, yeah, well done to the Wallabies. They've scored. Now it is 34 32. So this is a big, big kick to square the ledger. We'll get the result after the break. Well, we are daring to dream as Australian fans, as Wallabies fans, a penalty goal to Nick White, who came on the field. And normal, I mean, Foley's a sharpshooter, so he converted the Pete Samu try, but didn't quite have the distance. They got the penalty, and he has drilled it straight down the high diddle diddle. 37 points to 34. The Wallabies lead the All Blacks with about two and a half minutes remaining in regular time. Because the last time they beat the All Blacks was in 2020. Because they've given away a penalty. Oh, dear. They've given oh, away a penalty. Dear. So the last time... We might have jinxed it. <laughs> last time they beat the All Blacks was in 2020. The la- they haven't held the Bledisloe Cup since 2002. Oh. So if they want to hold the... They're going for the try. So if they want to hold the Bledisloe Cup, they need to win this because it's only a two-test series. So they've gone for touch here, the All Blacks, which is interesting because I'm sure that they... I would have thought with that amount of time remaining, you could have squared the ledger. (coughs) And they are the reigning cup holders. So now they've got themselves a line-out throw. About five metres out, five, ten metres out. Here comes the mall. Come on, Wallabies. What can they do? Can they hold on? Can they hold on? Now, if you are interested in this fight night, penalty to the Wallabies. Penalty to the Wallabies. I'm not sure that's for, dare I say, not releasing not releasing the ball from the ground. So that is a huge moment, a huge moment in the context of the game. And the clock continues to wind down, importantly, for Australia. Not releasing ball, correct call. Well, the French referee, 37 points to 34. Slender three-point lead, Australia. Can they hang on for a historic victory at Marvel Stadium, a packed-out Marvel Stadium? Looks like almost at 
All Blacks fans are outnumbering Wallabies fans. But this is our turf. We should have a result before the end of the program. Just away from rugby very quickly, if you are a fan of the boxing, this boxing tonight between Gallon, uh, two fights, Hannon and then Justin Hodges. Well, Justin Hodges has dropped Paul Gallon in the second round, as Pete Bedell's reporting from the Courier-Mail. He says now that Gallon fights back to stop Hodges in the third round of his doubleheader. No one can question his toughness. Well, I'm glad this is done, and I really hope that he hangs up the, the gloves now, Paul Gallon. I, I don't see the sense... And fighting to it should never have been sanctioned fighting two players in a night. Ben Hannett ended up with a couple of busted ribs that went the distance, and Gow got dropped by Justin Hodges in his prime. He never would have been dropped by Justin Hodges. We've got a bit of a an argument at the moment between Nick White, Bernard Foley, and the referee. So I'm not sure what the call is. Scrum New Zealand. So it's a scrum so in New Zealand. Over, scrum in New Zealand. So. Again, I don't want to put the mock on them, and I suspect I might have. Stop the clock at 79.14. There'll be a bit of stoppage time after the 80 minutes to, you'd think, 37 points to 34. Three points is the lead, but they're going to have another crack at here. Crack at it here, the Wallabies. Sorry, the All Blacks, I should say. The scrum goes down, looking like about 10 out, pretty much in front of the sticks. So just having a look at the replay here. It says, ready to take the penalty. And now it's a late call, so... Not sure what is going on, but the point is it is not into the advantage of the Australians. And he looks a bit frustrated, Bernard Foley. And I remember at the, at the top of the show, in fact, yesterday's show, and just chatting outside as well, which is, now, why be going back to Foley? He's been a very good player tonight. He's had a way of a game. His boots certainly kept us in the game. He's been involved. He had a try assist as well. The scrum packs down just outside the Wallabies' goal line. And they, oh dear! You know you get really nervous watching this because you just ninety seconds, ninety seconds. The All Blacks, one off the ruck, just driving towards the try line. The Wallabies defending for dear life. Can they win? Can they stay alive in the contest and hope to wrest back the Bledisloe Cup from the All Blacks? And they haven't held it since two thousand and two. Been a long time between drinks. Been a long time between drinks. Another pick drive. Have they? Oh. They've got within about an inch of the line. Playing the advantage. Last thing they want to do now, Australia's give away a penalty. The last thing they want to do, and certainly don't want to concede a try as well as they spread it to the right and they go for the line. And it's a try. It's a try. Gibbo is desperately unhappy and they have snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. It's a heartbreak for the Wallabies. Congratulations to the All Blacks, 39-37, right on full time with a kick to come. And sadly, that is how we're going to end the higher program, higher ground program tonight. Thank you, everybody, for your calls and contributions. Thank you to our guest, Tim Manor, to Steve Maven. Thank you to Alex Seal as well. Hey, don't go away. Stick around, 11 o'clock tonight. Gibbo, taking hold of the airwaves. Catch you next time. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.